everybody, on this week of Guy Talking Sports, we're going to get into um, um, Coach DJ Durkin being reinstated by the Maryland Board of Governors, but actually being Regents, excuse me, and then being fired, um, not less than 24 hours, by the president. We'll talk about some of the um, NFL trades, who was the big winners, the losers, and we give a little shout outs and props to Derrick Rose for um, scoring 50 on the Utah Jazz. All this in Guy Talking Sports. Hey everybody, welcome to another edition of Guys Talking Sports. I want to say a um, hope everybody had a nice and safe and happy Halloween yesterday. I know I have a ton of candy left over, so uh, fortunately I'll be my, trying my best not to eat all the candy <laughs> between now and this weekend. So uh, guys, I'm here with uh, I'm here with my man Big Ace and Al. How you guys doing tonight? Dude, I'm trying to be like you and not touch the candy. The girlfriend and, you know, everybody, they over there eating it up. And I'm just like, nah, keep it away from me. <laughs> um, I'm just going to take the candy that I have and drop it off at work so that they can probably just eat it and take it from there. <laughs> yes, yeah, so I'll be trying to get all of the candy for the next couple of weeks. Right. Same going on in my job, too. It doesn't even make sense to try. <laughs> no. So we're going to hop right into it, guys. A lot of things happen as well, um, in the sports. So uh, one of the biggest things happened is that um, Maryland, um, their board of, um, I want to say their board of um, regents, um, after a long, lengthy process, decided to reinstate um, head coach DJ Durkin 24 hours later. The uh, Maryland's president said, no, wait, um, I think he's going to be fired. So there was a lot of uproar um, from local and state politicians, the governor, a lot of um, players on the team um, voiced the displeasure about him being reinstated and playing underneath him. So there's definitely been a lot of controversy going on there. So guys, what are your thoughts on um, um, Coach Durkin? the Board of Regions um, reinstating him and then him being fired. Do you think it was the right call, wrong call? What are your opinions on it? I'm going to defer to the Maryland resident <laughs> down there since he has the buzz oh. and the intake on everything. <sighs> wow, where do I begin? Okay. Um, first off, let me go ahead and say that I understand why he needed to be fired okay um but on the flip side i think he got the wrong end of the deal and i'm sure i'm probably one of the few that believes that he shouldn't have gotten i'm not saying he shouldn't have gotten fired i'm just saying that he was the one <coughs> excuse me he was the one that had to fall on the sword just because of who he is and his correlation to the football team. And thank you, by the way. <clears throat> Excuse me. Bless you again. Ah, I, I, I appreciate that. Uh, it's unfortunate that Jordan McNair had to pass away. Okay. First and foremost, you know, no coach, regardless of school, whether it be high school, college, pro, 
peewee, it doesn't matter. No coach wants to be on the side where one of their players has an issue come up where that player ultimately passes away and they have to deal with the repercussions. Okay. Um, but we also have to understand the circumstances of when Jordan was going through his issues, when it was taking place. It was during summer conditionings when the coaching staff is nowhere to be found. Uh, it's the strength and conditioning coach, his team, the athletic trainers, and the medical staff that are present during these uh, practices, is, so to speak. I guess it's just more conditioning than anything else that take the leads when this sort of thing is going on. Now, it's unfortunate that the athletic trainers, the medical staff, truly couldn't diagnose the issue at the time and waited such a long period of time before they decided to call the ambulance. And by that time, Jordan was suffering way more than he could have been if they just really recognized that he was suffering from a heat stroke, put him in an ice bath, cool his body down. This probably would not even make local college park news, let alone to it being a national outcry. And again, I'm not condoning the actions of the athletic department nor the training staff or the strength and conditioning coaches. I'm just saying when thinking about Durkin and the toxic environment that was so-called going on at the University of Maryland, you can't look me in the eye and tell me that that toxic environment isn't going on at every major college or university in the United States. Now, mind you, not everybody creates some sort of toxic environment in the same manner. But if you look at it, if you look at it from under a microscope, you would truly believe that every major Power Five conference member acts under some sort of toxic environment because it's more than just a coach and his football players. Now you're talking about a coach who's paid X millions of dollars to generate X multi-millions of dollars for the university. And it's more than just winning and losing. Well, it's all about winning and losing because if that coach doesn't perform and if that coach doesn't produce the wins that are necessary to generate those monies to come into the university, what are they going to do? They're going to fire that man to bring in the next man to try to get the monies that that school rightly deserves. So with all that being said, I think Durkin got the raw end of the stick. I've read some articles where the athletic director at the time was an athletic director. I think he's the associate athletic director, Evans, where he recommended that there be outside medical staff watch over the athletics department in case of something possibly going wrong. And President Lowe decided it was like, nah, you know, we got some of the best doctors or whatever in the state or in the country, and we feel as though that isn't necessary. And that was a year prior to what happened to Jordan. And it was ignored by the president. I don't know if that's something that's been talked about or discussed. I guess it was just more so the all the uproar about how can Durkin, when the Board of Regents decided that they thought it was in the best interest to keep Durkin, 
versus Fire Durkin. You know, a lot of stuff got lost in the sauce. And though Durkin is not going to be a poor a poor individual, he's getting bought out. I mean, they couldn't fire him from Just Cause because though he might have ran a renegade sort of shop for his football team, his renegade shop was no more renegade than any other university that's going on right now. No more renegade than what Rutgers is going on, what all the BS is going on over there. No more renegade than what West Virginia has, you know, dealt with over the years. No more renegade than what Ohio State is going through. <laughs> Granted, it may not reveal with players, but it's with coaches. It don't matter. Everybody has their dirty laundry. It was just this scenario where somebody had to lose their life in order for outcry and everything to go on. I want to shout out the McNair parents to say, you know, we we want to honor Jordan's life. And we understand that it's important to let people know that this sort of environment cannot be condoned and that they had to do what was necessary to make sure that moving forward that the right coaches will be in place to lead young men to be men and also to prepare them for the next stages of their life, whether it be the the next chef or the next whatever or the next professional football player. And it's unfortunate because I still believe that Durkin got the raw deal. But it's un- the bottom line is you are the CEO of that enterprise. And if something heinous goes on, Somebody got to take the blame. And in this case, it just happened to be Durkin. And hopefully, you know, the Durkin family, I'm sorry, the uh, McNair family will take it upon themselves to accept his apology and accept what happened to their son and move on. They'll never, ever forgive or forget what happened to their son but maybe they're willing to forgive and move forward as far as with Durkin and try to continue on with their lives with Jordan's memory intact. And I hope that in Durkin's case, that because of the situation, he doesn't get hindered in his career path because this is what he knows. This is what he's been doing all of his adult life is, coaching football. And I hope that because of this unfortunate situation, he isn't pigeonholed into a scenario where he can't ever be a coach again. So I have empathy and sympathy for both sides. And I hope that the University of Maryland can heal and move forward and ultimately get back to the business of having an fun-filled enjoyment type of Saturdays where their football team can go out there and put a competitive team on the field and enjoy success and also still uh, inject the memory of Jordan McNair and live on and carry on his legacy as they move forward. And I now step off my soapbox and I do apologize for the lengthy talk. Um, I I will say this 
Um, me personally, yeah, I agree as far as I, my heart goes to the McNair family um, because at the end of the day, they definitely lost something more value than anything right now, and that is their son. Um, with that being said, um, I agree with what the athletic director did um, in firing with Durkin. Not so much of because of what happened um, with McNair, but more so the fact that the coach lost his players. Like when they, when the news broke out that the players walked out of that meeting, that players only meeting, like the writing was on the wall. Um, I really believe that the players was already tuned out. They didn't want him back. Um, and rightfully, for some reasons, rightfully so. Um, they tried to move on. And then when he did get reinstated, I think that was just the icing on the cake. They was not able to bring any – him coming back wouldn't have done anything to, um, to fix the problem, fix the issue, so to speak. Um, Maryland had to move on um, because at the end of the day, they wouldn't be able to salvage this with him back there. All jokes aside, when the parents are not in agreement with the coach, it wouldn't have never worked out to begin with. So while, you know, the reasoning behind it, you know, with McNair losing his life, no one should be at a position to lose their life. And I'm not blaming Durkin um, so much so, but it was just the fact that he already lost the players that were already on the team. And it would have been much more difficult to try to recruit players. I think Maryland, the university thought of it as a football standpoint, not less of what happened with McNair. I think they were thinking on this, on the fact that we already, he's already lost the players that he currently has. It's going to be a difficult time to recruit players going forward. So at the end of the day, even though we did reinstate him, I, we believe that it's a bad idea. When the players walked out of the meetings, the writing was already on the wall. So I agree with you. I, I, you know, hopefully um, the whole university and the McNair family hope they can, can continue to heal. Um, but I just couldn't see them continuing to heal without some type of justice in their mindset. And hopefully this will give them the – the going forward to heal, um, knowing that Durkin is no longer the coach at Maryland. may not be the right thing, may not be the wrong thing, but I think for order to everybody to just break, you know what I'm saying, so to speak, where, you know, the McNair family can continue to heal in the process and also knowing that it was, it would have been worse if, it, if, McNair, if Durkin was still the coach because it would have been an ongoing fight. Yeah, I mean, it's, you know, I've been hearing a lot of people, you know, particular points of view on this. And, you know, it's, I think at the end of the day, I think he, he, he the right call was made. I mean, how they went about doing everything was, is, is still questionable. I mean, but Ace, I do agree with you. A lot of colleges and coaches do, in, in some form or fashion, may have these toxic environments or maybe have these kind of environments where, Everyone has some dirty laundry where they, you know, they keep in house. And we all know in sports, especially college football, you know, university officials, presidents, student bodies will always overlook certain, you know, infractions or certain, you know, things that go on as long as it doesn't affect the bottom line. 
as long as your coach is a winning coach, as long as there's money come in, you'll have officials willing to look the other way and not do anything if A, it's a lot of money involved, and B, they think they can get away with it by kind of sweeping it under the rug or trying to get payoffs. We've seen it from coast to coast of different stuff. I, I think to if this was Alabama and this happened in Nick Saban, who has probably the longest trip out of anybody in college sports at this particular point, how long would this have, would this have even have occurred uh, with him? I mean, but Durkin, I mean, each team is five and three before, and it was been kind of up and down. I mean, yeah, yeah, I think he has like a $2 million this year for his contract. So, I mean, there's probably a lot of factors to go on the back end. Um, do I think he got the short end of the stick only in the way how things went about? Granted, he wasn't there. Like you said, it was a, you know, it, well, he wasn't there. It was, um, I guess, in the summertime, you know, strength and conditioning program. So he didn't himself personally involved in what happened or do anything directly what happened. It was a strength and conditioning coach. But at the end of the day, it's all, like you said, he's the CEO of the football program. I mean, the buck stops somewhere. And usually when something like this happens, it wasn't like it was an off-campus party or something where it wasn't a football-related incident or, or like, a, you know, drinking at a frat party or something where the college could be – I mean, the team could be like, hey, this wasn't on us. This was over here. Mm-hmm. This happened – Unfortunately, you know, tragically, during the summertime with, you know, under a football-related program, even though it wasn't practice or anything like that. So at the end of the day, the kid died. And like I said, when we first heard about this, somebody's got to go down for this. It wasn't going to be just a strength, you know, conditioning coach. Eventually, it's going to, you know, go up to the top levels. And somebody, just like at Luton, Different circumstances because no one died at Louisville, but he wasn't directly involved in what was going on with the recruiter and the kids and the strippers and stuff. But eventually, it's his program. The buck stops at him. He, he was going to go down. I just didn't like the way the Board of Regents, and I'm, I'm curious for them to give a complete explanation of why they thought, you know, hey, well, the, the regents and the president had the same information. So why they say, okay, he's good and we can reach Staten, then the president comes back and says, well, no, he should be fired. Not even 24 hours after that, once all the public backlash, did the regents not know this is about to come down? Did they not know that putting this out might incur this kind of, in, in kind of um, backlash? Maybe they did. Maybe they honestly didn't. I don't know. But it's a lot of – I don't think he was – Given a certain to the stick overall, but I think the way things came down the last 24 hours was just very, was just very. Uh, I could try to shed a little bit of light on that. You know, I'm constantly listening to sports radio, so I kind of have my pulse to the ear, especially out here in the Baltimore area. Not my cup of tea, but it is what it is. I got no choice but to listen to it. I don't know satellite radio. I ain't about to buck the trend and pay for it, so I gotta listen to what I gotta listen to. But to get me on topic, <laughs> you'd be amazed, man. You'd be amazed. <laughs> I, I, I'm tempted. I'm so tempted. Trust yeah, me. I'm paying for it, but you guys go go with that. Continue. I, I'm. I'm. I'm gonna be I'm honest with you. Be honest with you. I. I just. I'm. I'm. I haven't even looked back to radio since I got it. All jokes aside. 
And all I'm all I'm saying is y'all can't slide a password over to a brother and you know, let him get a little little taste of what's going on. Y'all been holding out for all these damn months and years. I see how y'all do it, brother. But it's all right. I'm gonna listen to my Baltimore radio and I'm gonna be good with these corny ass radio stations and the commercials all the time I gotta listen to. And y'all got that smooth nineties R and B and hip hop that y'all can listen to commercial free ninety eight percent of the time and I'm jealous as hell. But we're talking about Maryland football. And not just it's not just <laughs> music. Oh, it, it, oh that's it. I'm right with you. But anyway. Okay, I'm sorry, continue. Continue. Continue, my man. All right. So to kind of shed a little bit of light, Earl, you may may mention uh, how the Board of Regents came up with the idea that Durkin uh though might have been negligent still they thought was good enough to kind of lead the team before it. I've heard some rumors where they believe that even though Maryland switched over to the Big Ten, that they're still technically broke. And Durkin is still owed $5.6 million. So they're thinking that it might be easier to keep him and not try to buy out his contract and then still have to turn around and hire another coach to then dole out whatever X amount of dollars to make him a head coach. You know, like they say, it's cheaper to keep her as opposed to, you know, going out there and doing whatever. So that's one thing. Um, there was something that I wanted to say that both of you guys were kind of talking about that I kind of slipped my mind. But as far as um, – honestly, I can't remember. But tell me about it. And my birthday's coming up too? Sheesh. Sad, sad state of affairs, man. <laughs> 2019, it just rolled up on a brother, and it's like, damn, you, you can't slow down a little bit. <laughs> um, but the bottom line is, um, Durkin, like you said, you know, he was put in an ominous position where, unfortunately, no matter which way you kind of go about it, it's going to ultimately point back to him, you know. Um, so there was a rumor or something where today at practice, there was a fight because supposedly, I don't know how true this is, but the backup punter was happy that Durkin got let go, but there was a contingent of players who are pro Durkin and they jumped him because that punter went and talked to whomever and told them about the toxic culture that's supposedly going on within the program. Now, again, what is considered toxic? You know, I heard yesterday when the lawyer of the parents came out and they're saying that any coach that sits there and says, calls their the athletes or the student athletes or their players, you know, that they're called pussies or something to that effect. You know, that should not be coming out of a coach's mouth towards players. But I'm like, well, damn, I heard I was called a pussy on the football field back in 1992. Ain't nobody come out and was crying and bitching and moaning about it. But obviously (laughs) it's a different different times. It's It's a different place. You know, I guess, I don't know, you know, Coaches say what they got to say to motivate their players. 
I don't think that 99% of the coaches that sit there and call X player a pussy would then turn around and see him in the street and say, yo, what up, pussy? You know, he'll talk to him like he's a regular human being. But, of course, in those settings, the coaches are just trying to get the most out of their players. But it's unfortunate that, you know, and I guess this is just my bias or just my opinion, that it's come to a point where, granted, that's not the best words that you could possibly call somebody, you know, or the best phrases or whatever, that we've come so sensitive that because somebody said that to you, you got to cry foul. All right, guys, we're having a little bit of technical difficulties. Al kind of uh, uh, evaporated and came back magically. So uh, <laughs> once we get everything um, straightened out, we'll be right back. So uh, right now we're just going to take a pause for the calls and uh, pay some bills and hear from our, uh, hear from our sponsor, my bookie. Sure, watching football is fun, but it's more entertaining when you have some action on the game. Guys, you heard me talking about this for weeks. Some of you are still on the sidelines. Whether you're an expert or rookie, you should be betting at MyBookie. If you're the kind of guy that likes to bet a little to win a lot, like playing the numbers on roulette, you can create a big parlay. Pick three teams to win, and if you hit all three, you can turn 100 into 600. There's so much to bet on. Playoff baseball, basketball, hockey, primetime fights, and more. But my bookie is the one to bet, and I know you'd be happy with it all year. I recommend these guys because I really trust them. My bookie has been in the business for years. They've got great online reviews, and their mobile site is easy to use. My bookie is offering a 100% bonus for the last time this year. That's right. You've been thinking about pitching and picking all season, but haven't manned up and haven't manned up yet? Well, it's time you make your move. After Sunday's kickoff, Kiss that bonus goodbye. Also, make sure you follow at my bookie on Twitter and Instagram. They personally respond to every mention and DM. Not to mention, they've given away nearly ten grand in free money to the followers this football season. You'll be the first to know as soon as new odds and props are posted. Now, log on to my bookie right now and don't miss it on your last opportunity to collect the industry's biggest bonus. Use promo code Guys100 and you get your first deposit matched hundred percent. Promo code guys one hundred. You play, you win, you get paid. Okay, and we're back. Um, so yeah, I think this is definitely going to be a, a, a definitely a topic for um, discussion as far as DJ Durkin over the next couple of days and weeks as more things about this you know transpires. I think at the end of the day, you know, I think we're all in agreement that you know tragic incident. Um, but uh, I think that they. Eventually did the right thing with DJ with DJ Durkin. Um, I think it it would have been too odd, and you already had some people, you know, walking out of practice and some players that were not in full agreement with DJ Durkin being reinstated. So I think for the best, um, I guess for the best health of the football program, they needed to part ways with them, and they'll move forward with another coach next year, and hopefully they'll get their stuff straightened out and. But like we said, we all are definitely in agreement. It was a tragic incident. Our heart goes out um, to the family. Uh, but at the end of the day, I think this was probably the the, the most likely outcome um, in, in this respective situation. Uh, so moving on, uh, the NFL trade deadline stopped at well, – was over at um, October the 30th. There was a couple of big moves. Well, I won't say big moves, but there were some players that added some weaponry – for the uh for the second half run 
if you want to call it, of the um, the football season. So I know we had Amari Cooper going to the Dallas Cowboys, not for a third, not for a second, but a first-rounder pick. Um, the Eagles came back and got Golden Tate from the Lions with a third-round pick, which I was kind of surprised about that one. Ty Montgomery, who had the botched, uh, <laughs> who had the botched um, kickoff return instead of staying in the end zone, coming out and fumbling a rock for the Packers, he got chipped off, and um, the Texans traded for um, the Broncos' um, um, Demarius Thomas. So, um, you guys, who do you think were? And it was a whole bunch of other trades that went on as well. Um, who do you guys think was the winners and the losers, or what do you think about the receivers? Actually, really, the NC East, who do you think made out best, Eagles or the Cowboys? Eagles. Eagles, for sure. Not saying that Amari Cooper isn't a good get for for, uh, for Dallas, you know. We, you know, Dak Prescott was the guy when things were perfect offensively. The offensive line was kicking. Zeke was running for 1,700 yards, and everything was great. Um, can Dak be that be that guy to be that quarterback to then feed Amari Cooper to rock, you know, to make him that number one receiver? If Dak could be that dude and get him the ball, then I can see great things for the Cowboys as well. But I still think Philadelphia gets the win. Yeah, I kind of agree with that. Um, I also believe that Philly came off, you know, I I also believe that Philly, I think I can understand the Amari Cooper. Um, To be honest, I think it was a little bit more well-rounded because with so many wide receivers going, Demarius Thomas um, as well, I think would benefit um, from leaving Denver um, to go to Houston, I believe. Um, and you also got Golden Tate mm-hmm. with Philly. Um, I, I believe that it's going to be interesting to see if these wide receivers are going to um, produce more now that they are in new teams or, you know, if they're going to stay the status quo or if they're going to take a step back. Um, but I think the NFL definitely needed a shakeup. And I think that that's what was given to us um, during the NFL trade deadline because I think I never heard so many trades go on before the deadline actually um, ended. Um, there's been so much talk, and there was a lot of buzz going on with these trades. So I think overall this helps out not just the, the wide receivers that got traded, but also the NFL as a whole um, to see this type of buzz going. And now there's more interest to see how these wide receivers are going to produce in their new teams. So. Hey, it's uh buzz is always good. Um, you know, I, I thought that, uh, at least from the Cowboys standpoint, I thought Amari Cooper, that was a, they gave a lot up for a first round pick. I don't think he was w- worthy of a first round pick. Um, but um, apparently um, the Eagles were sniffing at Amari Cooper. They were offering a, a second-round pick, possibly, allegedly. Mm-hmm. And the Cowboys came above them with a first-round pick to get him to get to get um, Dak Prescott that you know number one wide receiver. Question is, would Dak Prescott be able to get the ball in the right positions for him? Um, because Dak is a pretty much very mid-range passer. Um, so to effectively use Amari Cooper 
you got to get them in those nice slant routes or those or or at least on the edge where you can throw deep balls. We used to have a receiver um, from PX. <laughs> they used to do that for him, and he couldn't really get the job done with them before. So I'm a, I'm gonna kind of wait and see with Amari Cooper. Golden Tate, I'm surprised. Well, I'm not. I'm surprised they gave a third round pick. They're probably not going to resign him because he has a big contract. So they're probably just going to cut him after the season. But with the RPO scheme that the Eagles run, um, he'll fit right well in the slot to make those um, short intermediate catches. And he can, you know, catch the ball on the five, you know, a five yard pass and break for 15. So I think that's what the Eagles needed something to, when they have those RPO check downs, they have a reliable receiver they can get the ball to and they can make something happen. Our front Jeffrey is, you know, rounding in the form. Um, I think at the end of the day, the problem still is going to be their running back by committee. Um, AJ Ajay is going to hurt them a lot. Legarius Blunt, I think they're they were missing Legarius Blunt before AJ Ajay got hurt. I think they're going to miss him now because you have Smallwood and Clements, who wasn't really your primary backs last year. They've been taking them more mm-hmm. this year. They haven't really produced in a, in a fashion. And I think when you get in those cold months where you need to kind of grind the ball down, um, that's where it's going to come in and hurt them. Right now, I don't think it is. I think they'll have explosive weaponry, but. And you got to get into that slog, run it out, you know, kind of games. I think that's where an AGI and a blunt not being there is going to might come and bite him in the ass. So I think in the short term, I think the Eagles and Cowboys both get an uptick in the long run. I think the Eagles, just by a lack of a, a res, I was going to say respectable, but a lack of consistent running a running attack or at least a, a consistent number one option running person is going to eventually get them down, you know, the road when you come time for December and going to January with the playoffs. And you still got the Redskins who, for whatever reason, Adrian Peterson, <laughs> bringing something. I mean, I don't know if he got that vibranium getting, you know, etched in his body or something, but he damn sure put it on my giant. So, I mean, he, the man has more life than I can think about it. So, but uh, winners, I would definitely say, the Eagles and the Cowboys, as of right now, um, the losers, the Packers, because they still didn't get Aaron Rodgers any kind of damn good help. They got rid of right. Todd Montgomery. I mean, I think that was a knee-jerk reaction to a bad play. Everybody's saying he lost the game. and that. Well, first of all, let me step back. There's no guarantee, and this drives me nuts, there's no guarantee that Aaron Rodgers, with the ball, with that time on the 20-yard line, was going to allow him to go down and kick the field goal. Maybe he would have, probably, but it's, it's no guarantee. So everybody that's saying, oh, he lost, you know, Aaron Rodgers would get the ball, he win the game. We don't know that. We don't know if Aaron Rodgers would have threw one of his erratic passes trying to, you know, thread the needle when it got picked off. You don't know if somebody running would have got stripped, you know, running back would have got stripped or fumbled. You don't know, but. Right. But Tom Montgomery. Yeah, you cost, you know, Aaron Rodgers an opportunity to go down to the field, and they said, you're out of there. But in return, they gave Aaron Rodgers no more help. So they well, let, me you, let me ask you – let me, let me ask you a question. Besides the Green Bay Packers, do you think that any other team should have made moves during the trade deadline, before the trade deadline? The Patriots – I'm surprised weren't more active. Um, 
I'm, I'm not sure if there were some probably some things out there that they wanted that they couldn't get done. I mean, last year you saw the move, you know, Jimmy Garoppolo. And I told you, Adrian, last year, thank you for getting Jimmy Garoppolo because you cost yourself the first-round pick. And you're probably going to cost Ooh. yourself the first-round mm-hmm. pick again by the new QB you inserted, which now it's 17-3, um, San Francisco. Mm-hmm. Boo, boo. Whoa, I do have to say, wait, 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 wait. I do have to say one thing. Adrian, you did get proven wrong in regards to Adrian Peterson because from what I remember before the start of the season, you said Adrian is a little bit too old to be be running into the Washington Redskins. So you got to take a little bit of uh, a slack there because you did say that Adrian Peterson would not make a difference with the Washington Redskins. Well... (laughs) <laughs> I mean, if you if you take a look at how older running backs in the league tend to try to hold on to whatever longevity that they have, Jamal Charles uh, is the latest example of how he tried to come in and, you know, Jacksonville was like, thank you, but uh, no thank you. Uh, Baltimore even tried to kick the tires on Jamal Charles, and they were like, nah. <laughs> so, I mean, Adrian Peterson really uh, – Coming in there and really showing his true colors, I'm like, he's a, excuse me, he's a freaking nature. Um, it was obvious, like when he tore his ACL and he came back and was shattering damn near wrestling records with a, on a, you know, a year off of a messed up knee. So, kudos to Washington to taking a chance on Adrian Peterson and really going out there and riding his coattails because without Adrian Peterson, I don't see that the Redskins are five and two right now or in the head of, you know, head of the NFC East. Personally, I didn't even think I, I God, I really kicked myself for believing in the, in the Giants. <laughs> I told you at the beginning of the season, don't trust them. I said, the, I said, the Redskins don't sleep on them. Uh, yeah, I was sleeping on them. <laughs> <laughs> Because they still don't have – I mean, granted, you got Alex Smith, but Alex Smith had proven commodity over in Kansas City. The Redskins ain't had no proven commodity. They got an over – they got a, a, an aging running back who's running like he's drinking out of the fountain of youth. <laughs> <laughs> and you got some I'm not going to say overachieving wide receivers, but there's not wide receivers that will sit there and say, ooh, my God, I'm scared of this wide receiver. They have mediocre wide receivers. Or no, mediocre is a little bit harsh. Above average. They don't have anybody that's, you know, every team, the Giants has Odell. The 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 the, uh, the Eagles had whoever they, they got, you know what I'm saying? <clears throat> Cowboys, they didn't have nobody. But now you can say they have Amari Cooper. But when you think the Redskins, what wide receiver are you calling out? <laughs> I would. They're, they're pl- you can't call out anybody, really, I can think of. <laughs> However, that's the, the point is, they're at the top of the league, and they're playing probably out of everybody the most consistent football. And that's – Especially man. in the NFC. Hey, look, we can go back to uh, we can go back to the Patriots, and let's say you can name outside of uh, Randy Moss, oh. a serious threat wide receiver – they were doing it with damn their tight ends and, mm-hmm. and little Julie Edelman. <laughs> All right. And they want, and they, and they want some chips like that. But they also have to go. Alex Smith, he nice. But he ain't no goat. <laughs> <laughs> he is not. But I, I will give you that. 
you can't you can't you know name serious receiver on there, but I guess it's just about how well rounded the team is playing. And right now in the NFC, that's not that's not scaring anybody really. I mean, um, they're probably playing the best complete football out of all the teams as of right now. Cowboys, Cowboys are not so, and the Eagles, they're too inconsistent with me at this point. Yeah, I agree with you. I mean, to be honest, I think that we can honestly say that the Eagles is one of the most um, disappointing um, in this first half um, because I definitely thought that they would be a little bit better than where they are right now. Um, But then again, I I guess you could say it's still up in the air, but um, I'm just curious, outside of maybe a couple of teams, has there been the one team that has been a disappointment, a major disappointment so far? Outside of your teams, I'm saying, like in general. My team? Oh, outside football? of your team. Oh, outside of my team, oh. yeah, they're, they're, they're abysmal. Um, <laughs> um, a distant- I think garbage team. Say it again. I said my team garbage too. So I mean, no, no. I'm saying else. I mean, except for your team, is there one team that you honestly thought that would achieve this season, um, but it's been a disappointment the first half of the season? Jacksonville. Oh yeah. I yeah. I I will have to agree with, with that with Jacksonville. I thought they would. I thought they would do a lot better, and they're just they're just having. Yeah, Jacksonville is uh, some trash. <laughs> <laughs> it, 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 it was it was crazy to me as we sit here and we watch the 49ers run out some no-name quarterback and have some, uh, some success. And then you go to Buffalo and they got a Nathan Peterson that come out there and has a QB rating of zero. Mm. Um, <laughs> and you got Bortles over there sucking up the place. I still don't understand how Kaepernick don't have a job. I mean, they pulled, they pulled Derek Anderson, you know, out of mothballs and put him in. And he was actually playing pretty damn good <laughs> against the uh, the Patriots in some stretches. He gets hurt and then back and goes Nathan Peters, uh, Peterson, um, Peterman, who uh, nobody on the team really wants to be the, you know, be the quarterback. So it's like the Bills are just shot yeah. in the foot. He's gonna be the he's gonna be the laughing stock of the damn quarterback girl when he gets older. Like, oh, you're Nathan. Oh, you were that. Oh, right. Wow. Yeah, you you suck. Yeah. And you just gotta live with that. I, but I mean, I guess you know the collusion and all that crap. I it, it's still I still uh, it's a damn shame that it all it, it's 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 funny to me. That it's cynical how like college football. And how the money is dictating how things are done, you know, just like I said with Durkin and and the money and all this type of stuff, it's no different than NFL owners and their fear of losing money because if they sign Kaepernick, how the fans are going to react. But I guarantee if Kaepernick go in there and win you some games, you trying to tell me them fans ain't coming back? <laughs> or is it not enough – or is it not enough about – a low risk, high reward to sit there and try to to see how it goes. Because just as easy as you bring him in, it's just as easy to kick him out. It's not like you gotta you sign him and you gotta hold him for the rest of the year. You sign him on Monday, you could damn good wave him on Wednesday. I mean, 
the NFL just said that. But we talked about this though, because we said that you know with um, Colin Kaepernick, like he's better than even second or third string quarterbacks right now in the league. But yet here we are today, he's still not a part of a team. So um, it's unfortunate, but you know we we we, we had this conversation plenty of times about him. Um, so it's 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 a problem. Um, but at the end of the day, it looks like the NFL teams is not – they're just going to just ride with what they can get at this point. Yeah, now, I mean, they're – I mean, now the – we're not – I mean, we talked about that, and that's another conversation another day. But, I mean, the issue that they're all saying is that – well, now they can say, oh, he hasn't played in two years. So, while we want to bring on somebody that hasn't QB in two years, they want to say he's better than who you got. But how do you really know for a guy that hasn't played – you know, football in two years. And even when he was in the league that last year before he was gone, he wasn't even a QB. So um, they can they can go from blackballing to saying, well, where's he been for the last three and a half years? So yeah, I agree. But we're going to we're going to but we're going to switch gears to uh, a nice story. Um Derrick Rose turned back the clock to 2011 Derrick Rose when he scored 50 points. 50 points, guys. That's that's uh, a <laughs> – and needless to say, with Derrick Rose scoring 50 points, you can't forget Klay Thompson, 14 threes, scored, what was it, 52 points in that game, even though out of those 14 threes, I think maybe two were contested. Everything else was just like a here, you know, just shoot it and make it. But – uh. What are your reactions to Derrick Rose scoring 50 and Klay Thompson with his uh, 14 threes? World record 14 threes at that. I, I, I was talking to our, our people's Brock about Clay and his 14 threes. And I was like, I was like, me personally? I'd have to take it back to the 90s in the NBA. I'd have been elbowing the hell out of his ass. They might have ejected me, but there's no way in hell. He gonna sit there and drop that many points, and I ain't gonna lay some type of hard ass foul on his ass. But you know, it's the it's the more softer, gentler, kinder NBA where they don't allow such hard fouls. But I would have made it a point to have a, a hard foul. I guess we just had to been fighting it on the court because nah, that's just straight up disrespect. <laughs> uh, what about Derrick Rose situation? Well, I'm happy for him. He had a lot of trials and tribulations. You know, I was I was listening to uh, ESPN broadcast. I forget who the the tandem was. It was a guy and a girl. But you know, everybody they were saying that as much as everybody's appreciating Derek Rose for what he did, you know, they still have to kind of pay attention to the fact that he was linked to a uh, possible sexual assault. You know, and as much as everybody wants to applaud the fact that he went out there and scored a career high, considering all of his highs and lows, that there's some people that's still out there and affected by the situation that he was in a few years back. So uh, you just can't not ignore the fact that he's been in that situ- uh, situation. Um, and I'm sure that probably played a lot uh, a part in his psyche as far as who he is as an NBA player, along with injuries. Um, but it's still nice to see that a little bit of the 
pre-knee injury Derrick Rose is still there and that if he could continue to stay healthy, that he could really play a vital role in Minnesota's uh, growth towards a possible playoff spot in this upcoming season. Um, yeah, I, I kind of agree with you on that. Um, real quick, I thought the Clay Thompson thing is, to be honest, I pre- I mean, I applaud the fact that he broke um, his teammate's record um, with three-pointers. But let's be honest, Clay Thompson, I, I, don't, I wouldn't expect anything less from him. Um, I know he was having a bad couple of games, you know, before that game. But, I, you know, eventually you knew he was going to break out and do what he normally does and start matching with what Steph Curry is doing right now. So um, just shows how talented that team is. Um, they're playing right now just for the fun of it. Um, kind of felt bad that it was on Chicago. Um, but to be honest, like you said, Ace, there should have been better D on that. Um, so, but it's difficult when you have um, Durant and you have Curry, you know, already shooting as well as they've been shooting. Uh, so, I think that with Clay Thompson, I think that you know, it happened. It was going to happen sooner or later. So, you know, it's the same guy that scored like had like sixty points last year in three quarters. So. Um, it was bound to happen eventually, sooner or later. Thought that I agree with you about the Derrick Rose situation. You know, it's just that you know I give it kudos because of the fact that you know what he's been through um, to get to the point where he was able to do it. I can understand that, but it doesn't stop the dysfunction that Minnesota still has right now. That doesn't you know it doesn't slow down at the fact that they still have Jimmy Butler. It still doesn't slow down the fact that what they're going to do with Jimmy Butler, and it still doesn't help anything as far as the situation is with the Timberwolves where there's so much dysfunction. And I'm not saying that there's dysfunction between the players and coaches. There's just dysfunction in regards to no resolution in regards to what they're going to do with Jimmy Butler. So um, this is a nice um, defer. Um, as far as Rose getting to 50, but at the end of the day, they still need to resolve the biggest issue that they have, and that's what they're going to do with Jimmy Butler. Yeah, I agree. I mean, it's definitely a feel-good moment for Derrick Rose. I mean, um, like you said, with all the injuries that robbed him and robbed us of what could have been. I mean, he won MVP very early in his career with – I heard that it was Dwight Howard, you know, second and LeBron James third. So, uh you know, it doesn't seem like 2011 was that far gone, but when you look at the dates, it was. So, I mean, everything he's been through, and yeah, I guess it does get a little bit of a does get a little bit of a revenge on the Utah Jazz who cut him when he brought him up. Didn't even say, you know, didn't even try him out. Just got him in the trade and was just, ah, we'll just cut you and let you be about your business. So, never was a good fit in Cleveland at all. I mean, it does kind of have to be noted that. You know, Jimmy Buckets wasn't in the game. So if he was, I don't think you have that 50. And then at one point, looking at the highlights, everybody was just letting him just dance around the ring and go. So um, in this league, there's no defense. And the scores are just completely, completely ridiculous. Um, but, you know, good, you know, good feel, um, a nice feel, good story for the, um, for the league. Um, yes, there are some allegations. So I guess you can't, we can't ignore that. But. Overall, I think it was, you know, good for him to to show that he can still on occasion pull that off, you know, when the environment is right and he does have, you know, he does have the help out there. Clay Thompson, like you said, I don't, 
he beat Steph Curry in a three-point competition in All-Star Weekend not that long ago. So uh, he's capable of doing this stuff. There was no defense, no putting a hand in his face, hardly at all. I mean, the Bulls played no defense. It was like him and him and the rest of the Golden State Warriors playing horse out there, you know, on the court. I mean, it was just sick how many open looks he has. But um, on that side, no, I really don't pay attention to the NBA until after the All-Star break when people actually start playing basketball for real. Right now, like you said, the Warriors are laughing and joking, having fun with it. I mean, this – I'm just more sickening about the friggin' scores in these games. It's like, where's the defense? It just is just ugh. But we can go on about that another night, which I would like to, because I hate the way Stern and Silver just made this a cupcake softy lead. But um, but uh, hey man, the 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 NBA should take on Luda's song, throw them bows. Well, last time they did that, you had the mouse in the palace and then you had some other stuff and they, you know, all the corporate sponsors were getting all in a tizzy just like they screwing up NFL. They're screwing up, you know, the NBA and, you know, and they're going to screw up major leagues <laughs> in a little bit. But um, we are coming to our time right there, folks. So, um, I know we, you know, discussed a lot, but we want to thank everyone who's downloading and subscribing to us. We are on um Correct me if I'm wrong, Apple, Apple iTunes. Uh, but I don't Spotify yet, are we? Technically, we are. But we are. Technically means yes. yes technically, yes. <laughs> technically, yes. So go ahead, you know, guys talking sports, you know, put us in, search for us, you know, pull us down. Uh, please give us your feedback. We're on Instagram and everything. So, uh, definitely, you know, you know, you know, please tell all your people to kind of, you know, how, you know, tune in and listen we talk we bullshit we crack jokes um but we do get serious at times so guys let them know where they can find you at well you can find me on twitter i'm sorry I beat the twitter <laughs> go ahead you can find me on twitter adrian cat 196 no, i'm sorry damn it that's wrong cat daddy 1963 on twitter cat daddy 1963 on twitter I'm sure you got that one right man yes cat daddy 1963 on twitter yes He's got it right. And I'm still, I'm, I'm, I'm so distracted because I'm still thinking about throwing bows. Sorry. <laughs> and of course, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram. Um, I am Al Qualls. Again, I am Al Qualls. Again, shout out to Johnson C. Smith University, JCSU, for their homecoming. Um, checked out a lot of the, peeped a lot of videos out there. So, so much love goes out to JCSU. One love. Cool. And everybody, thanks for listening out once again. Same bat time, same bat channel. But where are they going to reach you at, though? They don't need to reach me. Right. <laughs> Fair enough. Okay. Well, now, you can reach me at um, Instagram, Twitter, and Snapchat. Um, J.D. Ross, number seven. And like I said again, peace, love, <laughs> and soul grease. <laughs> and throwing them bowls. God bless. Don't throw no elbows over me, bro. Watch out, <laughs> yo. Watch out. <laughs>